Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Does he take forever to call you back and respond to your request? Are you paying him good money to keep things working, but there are still constant problems, slowness, and other recurring issues? Are you worried he's not backing up and securing your network? And does your head hurt from having all these issues to deal with? If this describes you, please be sure to call my good friend Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital at 843-664-8989. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in safely securing and managing your business IT network. Whether you have one employee or 500, Heritage will make sure that your business isn't bogged down by IT issues impacting your security, productivity, and most importantly, your profits. Heritage Digital will perform a no-cost IT assessment and ask you all the right questions to make sure your IT network works correctly all the time, and it's for one low monthly fee. This is a turnkey solution, folks. And with clients from South Carolina to California, Heritage has you covered. So if you're sick and tired of the constant computer and network issues, call Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital today at 843-664-8989 and get rid of all the issues negatively impacting your business once and all and forever. 843-664-8989, heritagedigital.com. Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Inside the Gamecocks podcast, Thursday, April 7th. This J.C. Sherbert here with you. Hope you all are having a wonderful day out there in Gamecock land. Lots to discuss. Got some mailbag questions. Got a lot, a lot to talk about um, here as we continue on. Spring football practice, baseball season, new basketball staff on the men's side, uh, celebration of a national championship on the women's side, of course. Uh, the shine has not worn off since Sunday. Uh, I can kind of see it on the bigspur.com and, and elsewhere, like our – Women's basketball coverage uh, from the Final Four got massive uh, amounts of traffic and page views and things like that. And so uh, it seems like a lot of Gamecocks are, have been really interested uh, this year. And certainly uh, the ratings and all that were good for the school and good for the program. As always, Heritage Digital uh, brings us through with our news and notes segment. Sometimes it's not always straight news. I'll talk about things a little bit, but good news for those of you out there. And I think there are many of you, I haven't really talked to, but like one person uh, who I think probably had an agenda, <laughs> a personal agenda uh, about uh, the board of trustees situation, uh, you know, and um, I, I look uh I looked up, sorry, looked up yesterday. I had a text and um, said, hey, the the Board of Trustees uh, restructure for the University of South Carolina passed the South Carolina House of Representatives overwhelmingly. Uh, You looked up as 113 to one. uh, And the one guy is this, uh, one guy was a Republican, actually. Uh, No Democrats voted against it. This is one guy from Townville up in Anderson County. Um, I looked him up because I was like, ah, Anderson, maybe he's a diehard Clemson guy, you know, doesn't want what's best for Carolina. And now he, I don't know who he pulls for. Uh, he's a, you know, he had a, uh, I guess his alma mater was homeschooled, which there's nothing wrong with. Uh, I know plenty of people that are homeschooled that are great people. And 
uh, all that stuff. And quite frankly, you know, these days I don't blame anybody for that, but I think he's a guy about my age. And then lo and behold, uh, he's up with, uh, for some ethics charges and, and campaign for putting cash in his pocket, yeah, all kinds of crap. Uh, so that's the one guy that voted against it. And then there were some that, you know, weren't there for the vote or I don't, I don't know if there were any people that abstained. So that goes to the Senate and, you know, now we'll just see uh, kind of what they do. Uh, the expectation for the people I talk with is it'll pass the Senate. Uh, I, I think, you know, the Senate's sort of a different deal than the House, obviously, in, in a lot of governments. And uh, I do think Henry McMaster, the governor, is, is going to sign the bill if it gets to his desk. Uh, but I just can't imagine any state senator out there looking at this bill and going, oh, it's not a good idea, unless there's an ulterior motive, unless it's just straight up political and not what's best for the University of South Carolina. Now, uh, is the bill perfect? You know, I've talked to some of you out there about, well, I wish the governor didn't select uh, two voting members, you know, and, you know, he got his, the governor no longer has a vote, but he does get to appoint two voting members. And I thought the same thing. So, and, and I'm not, I'm sort of a novice with a lot of this stuff. And, and I kind of looked around at other states to see how they do it. And man, you know, like in North Carolina, for example, North Carolina, NC State, App State, East Carolina, UNC Charlotte, Asheville, uh, 16 different schools in the university system of North Carolina. They, they all have their own boards, but then those boards report to a, I guess, a board of regents, governors uh, for the University System of North Carolina, the UNC system, uh, and all 24 of them are appointed by the state legislature. In the state of Oregon, uh, all the boards of Oregon, Oregon State, Portland State, any any state-supported school, they're all 100% appointed by the governor. Uh, in Florida, uh, they have the University of Florida system, Florida State system, a bunch of, some different boards of regents, and I hope I'm saying this right. I don't know if it's one big Florida Board of Regents or not for their public schools. Um, and they're all appointed by the governor. And so, uh, you know, looking around at other states, and this is just from the academic end, and I've talked a lot about, you know, forming an athletics association, getting athletics out of the politics and, and, and you know, separate more from the academic side, that kind of thing. Uh, but just looking at boards of trustees, for different for different colleges and, and, and universities, uh, I think this this setup's pretty sweet. It's not the Clemson setup where you have a guarantee of seven lifetime appointments, you know. But that's that happened in the 1800s. I mean, you, you got to take that late 1800s. You got to take that up with Ben Tillman and uh, Thomas Clemson and the folks that were there then that established that according to his will, and he left the land but its own and. You know, will that change at some point if somebody calls a ruckus about it? Uh, because it's basically you have a state-supported school that can operate like a private school based on what their board does. But, you know, is that something somebody may take exception to? Yeah, I don't, you know, rivalry and poly, all that aside, I don't see it happening. I don't think it's that big of a deal. Um, you know, so South Carolina's not going to have that kind of autonomy, but – uh, doing it by seven congressional districts, uh, which are still voted on by the legislature. But, you know, you, know, you, you start talking about congressional districts, uh, you know, rather than judicial circuits where nobody really knows where the hell all those are. I, I had a problem finding a map on it. 
you know, that could. Uh... So anyway, it'll be interesting to see what happens um, in the state Senate today, tomorrow, whenever. Uh, like I said, I, I think that's really, really good news. Uh, I think that with the way they're structuring it, again, compared to and look, no, nobody's going to be completely happy with this, especially if you're like me and you have a fundamental distrust of the political process. Right. Uh, but I think this may be one time where the, the government, knowing the people I know that are involved, works for the people and works for the University of South Carolina in a positive way, no matter what side of the aisle you're on. So I, I'm very encouraged with uh, the state of South Carolina you know, and I continue to say, fix the roads, please. You know, but uh, hell, the roads are bad in some states that tax the crap out of you. So um, I think, uh, you know, I, I think this is time, you know, a time for change uh, and a time to get this thing moving in the right direction. And again, I've been over all the reasons. It's not just meddling in athletics. Obviously, athletics with what I do is a focus of mine, but I care as a graduate uh, that. Uh, USC and all of its campuses uh, are served well by leadership. And I think that this is a pathway uh, to get that leadership on stronger footing and to really establish a vision through the 2020s, 2030s, you know, rest of my life, actually, uh, for the university and where it's going, uh, again, on the field, on the court, on the diamond, uh, in the classroom, in the lab, at the medical school, law school, whatever, whatever, you know, and I think that's a, uh, it's a big deal. It's a big deal uh, for the Gamecocks. Another big deal for the Gamecocks last night. I know people are kind of, you know, uh, you know, why do they do this to us? That kind of thing. Uh, as Carolina baseball team defeated North Carolina 15 to two in Charlotte, you know, that, that, that game, they play it every year up there at the, I guess, truest, it's not truest park. Is it truest park? I don't know. Truist Field? Uh, I know, was it SunTrust Field? I don't know. Truist is the Braves. Braves play today, opening day for baseball. Yay. Um, I know what I'm doing after I record this. But, uh, you know, so that's, um, I mean, that's uh, been a house of horrors. I've seen good, good Carolina baseball teams go up there and get slaughtered by the Tar Heels or blow leads or whatever. Last night, the boys kind of got up off the mat again and won 15 to 2. They play Georgia this weekend. Georgia's ace pitcher is out. So there may be an opportunity there. Uh, I, I think this bottom line on that game, I don't think anybody should be upset uh, because that's a that's another feather in the cap against the Tar Heels. Uh, we all remember the Dukes Mayonnaise Bowl up there where the football team beat them. Women's basketball beat them in Greensboro uh, in the Sweet 16. So that means three sports, three out of the four. They didn't play them in men's basketball, thankfully. Um, Gamecast got the best of them all inside the borders of the state of North Carolina. So that's uh, it's progress. Nobody likes losing to those guys, okay? Uh, so be happy about the game. I'd be concerned still about the rest of the season. Uh, but we'll see what happens. You know, like I've said before, uh, it's hard for me to make declarative statements, uh, absolutes on baseball because you look like an idiot the minute you do that because it's just such a funny game. Uh, talking about the Braves earlier, nobody expected them to go to the World Series and win it uh, at the All-Star break last year. Uh, and I'm not trying to, to quote Top Gun, blow sunshine up your butt, Lieutenant, with, with that. I, I have my doubts. I have my doubts about the whole thing. Kingston, his tenure, the direction of the program, 
falling behind other SEC. I mean, there's a list. There's a list. Um, and, and I know the pitching injuries stink, uh, and that's a one of the reasons for the midweek losses. But uh, that doesn't explain the the bats not coming alive yet again, yet again. So that's uh, that's just one of those things. Um, you know, uh, I got some eye health consulting mailbag questions coming up. Uh, Dawn Staley, uh, and more news before we get to analysis, uh, picked up a transfer. Uh, my understanding is this, that it's not the little birdie that she tweeted about going into the nest. And, and, and I can't guarantee that, but, uh, I've heard that somebody else. So, uh, she got a, a commitment from a point guard. Uh, Kiara Fletcher from Warren, Michigan, played at Georgia Tech, uh, same place Kayla Davis came from a few years back um, and was uh, all freshman. Uh, and, 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 you know, from what I've gathered, they'd probably need a backup point guard or a point guard next year to add some depth. Uh, and so we'll see what happens ultimately uh, with her. But, uh, you know, Kayla, Kiara Fletcher uh, coming to South Carolina, transferring into Dawn Staley's program. Boy, she just uh, – she lights it up, man, with quality players. I tell you, that's uh, that sets up well, I think, for Dawn Staley and her program. I want to tell you about Cindy Searfoss, realtor, as we transition to the analysis segment of the podcast. Uh, Cindy Searfoss, Colwell Banker, Kane Real Estate. She's married to a diehard Gamecock fan. Uh, Cindy's been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Would love to help you with any of your real estate needs. You can contact Cindy at 864-414-5271 or email her, ccearfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S, at cbcane.com, C-B-C-A-I-N-E dot com. Uh, and uh, she'll help you out with all your real estate needs. She's right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, Daniel Morgan Avenue, been in the upstate over 35 years. We know the real estate market's crazy right now. Saw some home prices were going down, so maybe you want to buy. Maybe it's time to get the nest egg if you've sold for a profit and get it out and go explore your options to get a beautiful new home right there in the upstate of South Carolina. Again, Cindy Searfoss, 864-414-5271. Please tell her JC sent you a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. So, been looking at football I uh, wrote a piece on the offensive line today. Uh, I know that people have a lot of questions about the offensive line. Believe me, I do too. You look at the pieces they've added and, and it, you know, Carolina's added talent at receiver, running back, tight end, uh, in the transfer portal. You got a player like Jaheim Bell back. You got Josh Van back. You got Marshawn Lloyd, who was a five-star back, uh, ready to uh, break out. Uh, you know, you, you've got players that you sort of on paper feel comfortable with. Uh, and then they, but they didn't add anybody from the portal on the offensive line. Now, I didn't expect them to. Uh, there were some guys that they could have gotten, but they didn't feel like they were any better than the guys they have. Uh, and, and I think this offensive line, you know, it, it gets a bad rep. You know, first of all, people are like, oh, they don't recruit good enough talent up there. Well, that's not really true. Uh, Dylan Wanham, highly recruited. Of course, he's working his way back from injury. Wanamaker, Tyshawn Wanamaker at left tackle. I, you know, it was probably a bad move, uh, even though I agreed with the move at the time to, to move him down from four stars as a senior. 
because his rating was all about his upside. And, and, you know, you look at the senior film and you see a guy that could move around and, uh, you know, play and he's got good feet and all that, but he's just not coached, you know, I mean, he came from Calhoun County and I'm sure those coaches try to do a great job, but you know, it's not the same as being in an sec program on top of that. Got a lot of good experience last year, reshaped his body. He's now left tackle. Uh, Vershawn Lee, who I thought was really good in his second year last year as well, is back. Eric Douglas is back. Jovan Gwynn's back. And, uh, and then uh, Jalen Nichols is holding down the right tackle spot. I thought that was an underappreciated move last year when they slid Nichols once he got healthy back out to tackle, uh, which is probably his more natural spot. Then you still got Jazz turning time, and, and you know I mentioned Dylan Wanham and Trey Jones and Hank Manos and maybe John Darius Morgan uh, steps in there. But uh, on paper, what you always want on the offensive line is older players with a lot of starts and experience because the more experience you get, the better you are at that position. Uh, I continue to maintain they were confused a lot last year. Uh, I thought it got better at the end. It, it went from being a very poor unit to a inconsistent unit, to be quite frank. Uh, I thought the Florida game was good. The Auburn game, really good against a good front. Um, North Carolina didn't have a great defense, but they have a lot of good, young, talented defensive linemen, highly recruited guys, and I think they will be. I think you're going to see North Carolina this year and next really grow as a defense, especially now that they've kind of gotten – uh, into a scheme, you know, and I've never hated on Jay Bateman. Um, but obviously, you know, I, I think depending on what's where you're at is probably what the best thing is to run. All of a sudden you look at North Carolina's recruiting, they're, they're getting all these long, tall defensive ends and D linemen uh, out of their own state and, and elsewhere. And you kind of go, well, this is a fourth, this is tailor made to be a four, three. And of course it was kind of an exotic front, all that. It worked, I thought, his first year. And then once they started getting the personnel to be more of a 4-3, like what Chiswick wants to run, that's, uh, you know, that, that's a different different animal. Uh, but, you know, still they were talented. It's not like they were void of talent on that side of the ball. Carolina lined up and 301 rushing yards and protected the passer and, you know, just a heck of an offensive day up there in the Mayo Bowl. So – you know, South Carolina, the offensive line, I think they can build on that. Uh, and I think there's also something to be said for these guys. They're all good students. I mean, you know, I've looked through their academics and all that. I'm like, well, how are they not picking this up? Uh, I think there's something to be said for the fact that they streamlined some things at the end of last year. I think there's also something to be said for, you know, this was the third offensive system these guys had to learn in three years. And, you know, what BMAC wanted to do up front, even though Wolford was there for BMAC and Bobo, that's significantly different. Uh, BMAC's more of a spread type deal. Uh, Mike Bobo, more of a pro style deal, smashed mouth, helmet on a helmet, hat on a hat, gap scheme, whatever you want to call it. That's why he's so good in the running game. Uh, and then last year when they went to more gap scheme, they, they actually played better. Uh, in the zone, getting back into that probably wasn't their strong suit. So we'll see what happens. Uh, but I think there's something to be said. Second year with the same coach, second year with the same system, older players. Uh, these guys weren't chopped liver out of high school. I think they all have their strengths. I, you know, I, I, and they've all played well at different times. They just all have to play well together. Uh, and there's depth and all that. So nice piece up on the bigspur.com about the offensive line. Uh, switching sides of the ball. Um, 
the defensive line, uh, I've noticed, based on some feedback, uh, I think the interior is really in good shape. Uh, Rick Sanders needs to get back, and I, and I think if he can, that's even bigger. Uh, but you've got T.J. Sanders, a redshirt freshman from Marion, uh, who and he's talking about going to the Strom and balling out in basketball. He's a really good basketball player, light on his feet. Great evaluation by Will Moschamp, Tracy Rocker. Uh, Tracy Rocker was one year here. Uh, they went and found him, and uh, I think that guy – is going to be a lot better than people think. I think he's going to be a steal. Uh, he's a D-line heaven kid. Uh, he's from down there in the PD. Uh, those guys tend to pan out. Um, I, I think that when you kind of look at him and then you back that up with what I've heard and, and what Shane Beamer said about him, that he's been high on him since October because he just kept getting better and better and better. You know, that's a guy to look forward to. I don't know how much he'll play this year uh, because there's some depth. Uh, two more in-state guys, Tonka Hemingway and Boogie Huntley, two four-star guys from within the state, one from Conway, one from Columbia. They're battling it out uh, right now for the starting tackle spot. Next to Zach Pickens, another in-state guy uh, who was a five-star top ten player in the country who, when he played like it last year, looked like it. And and he had a good bowl game. He and uh, Jordan Strawn. Uh, when they lined up next to each other on that side of the line, he got penetration. He looked really good. And there were some games this past year where Zach looked like an All-American. The Vandy game comes to mind. I mean, he saved two touchdowns. Carolina would have lost. Then there's some games where he kind of disappeared. Um, so consistency, and, and I think Zach knows that. This is a big year for him if he wants to get drafted highly. Um, you know, it's time to, to be a consistent player and dominate when you can uh and so that's exciting if, if you're a Gamecock fan I did not mention another D-line heaven defensive lineman Nick Barrett uh who's another second year guy like T.J. Sanders uh, they love him he's a, a, a presidential scholar you know, from Goldsboro North Carolina home's at home of Dave Odom uh, and so he's got depth and then you look at the guys they brought in they brought in Felix Hicks you got Jamal Weish you know, we'll see where he plays. Uh, you know, I think he's interior guy. You know, you you got DeAndre Martin who has all the upside. Uh, you're bringing in uh, Demetrius Watson for Fort Dorchester this summer, uh, and then in the 2023 class, they've targeted a lot of other defensive line types. So, now that spot with Jimmy Lindsay is looking uh, really solid now and in, in the future. And you know, it's not always easy to do. Uh, on the interior of the D-line. There's always, uh, you know, uh, sometimes those guys are hard to find. Now, they're, they're not always hard to find around here, but, uh, you know, heck, there's been defenses where you, you've looked at it. 2014, you know, I think JT Surratt was inside, and he was kind of the best one, and, boy, they missed Kelsey Quarles, and that was part of the reason that defense just wasn't very good. Uh, and so you need that. You need those guys on the inside. You need a lot of them because you need to rotate them. And, heck, I, I know that it's thin on the edge right now. You have Burt, Strawn, Dawkins, uh, Tyreek Johnson maybe, Gilbert Eben, uh unproven guys. But uh, on the interior, now and in the future, you know, as long as he's, some of these guys pan out behind Barrett and Sanders, it looks like that 2021 class – uh, and two guys that were kind of leftover recruits from Muschamp will end up being um, end up being pretty solid. 
you know, and maybe really good. I mean, TJ Sanders, uh, just his measurables and his upside and athleticism, that that could be a guy that goes beyond, you know, his three-star rating. You know, guys like that that start to put it together early and it's just a second second year and they, they're these big basketball player types and they go from, you know, 265, 270 to 315. You know, they're long-armed, they're quick twitch, they've got good feet. You know, those guys end up in the NFL. I mean, those are you're talking Javon Kinlaw type of guys uh, that are built like that, that 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 develop this early because their floor gets higher and their ceiling's already astronomically high, and you got years, a couple of years to work with them. So uh, keep an eye on T.J. Sanders, and and I love Nick Barrett too. Don't get me wrong; I mean, this, that could be a a dastardly duo for the Gamecocks uh, on the defensive line uh, moving forward. Uh, one more note on the defense I wanted to talk about, Devontae Reed. Uh, my questions concerning his coverage ability are about out the door. Just based on what I've heard, you know, this guy not only brings the wood uh, against the run, you know, this guy's breaking up passes, he's making picks. I think I've mentioned him in previous episodes, but wanted to kind of reinforce that, uh, that, that I think now – based on further pieces of intel I've picked up, this guy, the sky's the limit. Um, You know, somebody asked on the board, uh, he sounds like a future coach, and I agree he does. It may be after a 10-year NFL career. Uh, And the Gamecock Gamecock fans should be excited about that because he, you know, Jalen Foster, All-American year, can't argue with his results last season. Um. I miss him, you know, and you got Roderick back there still, but you need a guy to step in and take his place. So you're not depending on freshmen or inexperienced guys. And Reed really solves that. Got to keep him healthy. That's a big thing. But uh, just wanted to reinforce that uh, piece of info uh, that I had been getting. Um, don't know when you'll listen to this podcast. I do expect. Uh, at least one staff announcement for Lamont Paris here in the next 24 hours. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Can't give any further details on that one, but uh, you'll see sort of the staff start to, to fall into place, I think, for the, during the next week. And then they hit recruiting. They already are recruiting. Uh, so we'll see sort of what happens with men's basketball. News has kind of been quiet since the beginning, but there was a dead period. And then, you know, he's out recruiting. He's a one-man band. They're kind of getting things together. Uh, and there are what, how many 1200 basketball players, 1149 in the transfer portal right now. <laughs> uh, it's wild. It's the way, you know, it's into the great wide open. Uh, I posted on the message board today, Tom Petty song. I'm going to kick back and listen to some Tom Petty while I pregame for the Braves, uh, season opener opening day here, uh, in Casa de Sherbert. But, um, Right now, you know, just want to tell you that it's wide open. Anything can happen, I think, uh, with regards to the portal and the roster next year. I mean, it, it's it's wild. It's wild. You know, you've heard a name already, Hayden Brown from Citadel, but uh, there will be more. And, uh, you know, shoot, it could be a really rough first year. It could be a surprisingly good first year. It could be a very mediocre first year. I don't know, you know, it's a free agency, you know, I think that, you know, sometimes in basketball, if you hit on the right guys, you know, you can reverse your fortunes very quickly. 
Um, I'll still maintain that when you look at the big picture in the in the basketball program that there's it's not like it bottomed out, but with everybody coming back or everybody leaving and nobody coming back, you know, that they lost their best players. I mean, uh, Stevenson, Cousinard, Woodley, you know, I like Josh Gray a lot. Don't know if he'll be back or not. Keyshawn Bryant hasn't announced anything. I'd be shocked if he came back. I almost think it's time for him to, to maybe move forward a little bit. Um, just because I, I don't know that, you know, I, I think when he plays within himself, he's one of the better players in the conference. I think when he doesn't, he's a liability. He never seemed to figure that out at Carolina. He hustled, played well, played hard, great athlete. But I, I don't know with a new staff, maybe maybe they can get him in another role. I, I just don't know. I don't know about Keyshawn Bryant. Uh, seems like he's been here forever. Uh, seems like every year we've talked about him um, – I guess Keyshawn leaving and he doesn't, you know, so I, I don't know why there's a delay in the announcement or whatever, but uh, you know, we'll see what happens there. Uh, as Alexa comes on, Alexa off, Alexa off. Thank you. Golly. You guys seen the South park uh, with Alexa in it as a real human being or a robot or whatever. Pretty entertaining. Anyway, <laughs> onward and upward uh, time for the I help consulting mailbag. As always, the mailbag is sponsored by I help consulting. And if you're a business owner, you're always looking to save time and money. And I'm doing, um, I've got the Carolina rise LLC uh, and actually filed paperwork with the state of South Carolina. I got that back waiting on my tax ID number, you know, so that's going to be a business. And I've told you about it. That's the NIL collective that, you know, we're going to uh, collectively raise money or pool money, if you will, for uh, NIL opportunities for Carolina student athletes. It's going to be different than the Garnet Trust, more uh, on the promotional end of things. Uh, but, uh, yeah, got that all filed. So, you know, when you're looking at something to where you want the maximum amount of money, to go to the student athletes. And that's what I'm doing this for. I'm not, I'm not paying myself. Uh, the only way I would ever pay myself is if that became so cumbersome that I either had to hire somebody to help me facilitate it or it became my full-time job. I mean, I'm just not into charities or, and it's not a charity because you can't, you can't organize it like that, but fundraising operations, in my opinion, should be lean and mean and the funds should get to the people that it needs to go to. And I think that's what charities and everything else. And you see these foundations and stuff that you look at the payroll and you're like, wow, you know, I, mean, I don't know. Maybe that's a pretty good business to get into, but I, I'd never do it with the Gamecocks and something like this. But the point is I'm trying to save some cash and and, and not spend uh, as, you know, more money than I have to uh, on operational expenses. And so I'm working with Daniel right now on that. Um, and so he can help you do it. It's a Gamecock-owned and operated company. His only mission is to help businesses save money on expenses. You may be paying too much for credit card processing, internet, insurance, anything else. They can help you find your business the most savings without sacrificing quality. And remember, if I help can't save your business any money, you don't pay them a penny. That's right. If they can't help your business, it's no cost to you. So call or text Daniel at iHelp, 843-372-5713. Or visit iHelpConsulting.com to schedule a free consultation. That number again 
843-372-5713. iHelp Consulting, how can I help you? And with that, it's the iHelp Consulting Mailbag. Two ways to get in the iHelp Consulting Mailbag. First, you can tweet to at the Big Spur Pod. And please follow that Twitter account. We are rolling towards 850 on that Twitter account. So try to do it. Try to do it uh, and get you there. Um, and, and it's got pretty good content on it, too. You've got a lot of cool stuff that you don't really find on the Big Spur or whatever, and especially the mailbag questions. And so that's the first way you get in. And the Upstate Gamecock, he tweets, who is this dude? Because uh, Bud Elliott from 24-7 Sports um, got mad yesterday because he said uh, – Spencer Rattler didn't go in some kind of Heisman draft they were doing. So Gamecock fans lit him up. Uh, but this is also somebody that, that says South Carolina predicts him to win six games next year um, and all that. The, uh, the response on Twitter that he put was, which team's fan base do you think is most out of touch with reality this offseason? He said, based on Twitter, I have some choices, 40% South Carolina, 24% Gamecocks, 8% SoCar, and 28% USCE. Yeah, kind of a backhanded compliment. Well, look, man, if you think Carolina's only going to win six games, that's reasonable based on the schedule. I looked at some of these other win totals, and, you know, in my opinion, they're overvaluing some teams and maybe undervaluing – uh, the Gamecocks, uh, some others, I don't know. Uh, but I think that, you know, that's fine. I mean, it, it's list season, talking season, you know, 24 seven sports said today, here are they going to be the biggest upsets of the year. One was South Carolina over Clemson. Yeah, I don't think Bud had much to do with that. That wasn't his personal opinion, obviously, but, uh, you know, it's just people have opinions, right? Now, now, now here's the thing about Bud, and, you know, this is uh, – I, I think he's really married. And, and it's not, I, don't, I don't know if this is a fault because I have theories too that I stick to. Uh, married to his theories. And uh, one of the things Bud did was the blue chip ratio, and that's kind of his claim to fame, right? Good, Really good writer, uh, stuff he says makes sense, but but he's going to stick to what he says. And uh, I don't think he, quite frankly, thinks that South Carolina has any business having a winning football program. You know, I'm, and I, I think any blue blood team that's had success before, whatever, you know, he's always going to, in their mind, you know, your Florida States of the world, your Tennessee's of the world, you know, programs like that. He's always going to like, in his mind, they're going to be superior. And some people think that way, and that's fine. You know, that's fine. Not everybody, you know, was raised a Gamecock or a Mississippi State Bulldog or, or, you know, name your school Baylor Bear, you know. And you can see it because some of these people, and I don't know what Bud's reactions have always been, but you can see it like when – like Baylor's been winning for years. Like since Art Bryles, Baylor's been winning. And they've been one of the best programs in the SEC – and, you know, you see some of these people that, and I'm not saying Bud said this, but that, that are like-minded. Um, and uh, they kind of go, um, you know, they, they act like it's a miracle. 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, so that's uh that's kind of the mindset of a lot of people. Oh God, it's a miracle. It's a miracle, you know. And uh the blue chip ratio is something that I've seen many of you talk about uh on the big spur. And 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 I want to make this clear because I think some people uh read about that and they go, Oh, well, that means you can't be any good without 50% of your roster being four and five stars. And so then we get this crap where Jaheim Bell, uh, when he signs with Carolina because he's a high three-star, because somebody somewhere didn't really do their job, or he got hurt and they docked him for that, or Tyshawn Wanamaker, nobody wants to, you know, project guys anymore, uh, or, or, you know, name your player. You know, people trash him coming in the door. Oh, God, another three-star, blah, 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 blah. And that's not cool either. I mean, that, that's not cool either. And I think it's because fundamentally people misunderstand the blue chip ratio. Um, the blue chip ratio states that there hasn't been a team that has won a national championship without over 50% of their roster being four or five stars on scholarship players. Now, Clemson won it in 2016. They played for it in 2015. They're right there, 50.8, something like that. And then when you take it a step further – and you look at some of the four-star players that weren't playing and weren't seeing the field for Clemson and some of the three-star guys that were, and you look in their top 22 and you're like, this was a team primarily made up outside of, you know, your Christian Wilkins and Deshaun Watsons and maybe Cleveland Farrell and some guys here and there, McKenzie Alexander, whatever. Uh, this is a roster largely made up of high three-star, low four-star talent. A lot of, lot of them from the state of South Carolina – and one of the best players on the team is a no-star. And I bring that up because I know you guys are familiar with that roster. Nobody thinks about that. Nobody talks about that. Nobody talks about Michigan State going to a playoff a couple of years ago, all that. Those guys are the exception rather than the rule. Uh, and it's going to be hard to beat Alabama uh, w- without a bunch of elite players. Now, we're, getting, we're in the portal era now. So what does it all mean? You know, is it still – you know, are, are recruiting people still clinging to signing day and rankings of high school players and all that as a measure of future success? You know, is it because South Carolina's recruiting class was not ranked very high uh, out of high school the last two years? Is that that what this six-win thing is being based on? Because if you base it on transfer rankings and and, and probably taking it a step further, offers – that these legit offers that these transfers had, you know, South Carolina mopped up in the transfer portal. And, and you got eight guys, and six of them are going to be in the two deep. So uh, is what's going to make a bigger impact, you know, this year? Because people are hyping Texas A&M, you know, because uh, they had a great class. But is that class – I mean, how many people from that class are going to be ready to go shine – this season for the Aggies, or is it going to take a year or two for them to get ready? I mentioned North Carolina earlier. They've recruited very well. I'm convinced that the media and the people that do the rankings completely overshot their season by having them in the top 10 at the beginning of the year based on high school talent that they've acquired that simply is, and and look, uh, this is perfectly normal. That simply isn't ready. I mean, not a lot of those guys haven't busted. They're just not ready. Uh, and then they lost 
all their receivers, but downs. You still had Sam Howell. Uh, you lost your two best running backs. See, nobody gave them credit either because they were both three-star kids from North Carolina. Nobody else wanted the Larry Fedora side. They're two of the best best back tandem in you know North Carolina history. They brought in a kid Chandler from Tennessee. He was decent, you know. But just because he was a four-star and came from Almighty Tennessee, you know, everybody was well, they, they won't miss a beat. Wrong. <laughs> That's just not how football works. And so people who are married to, to this kind of doctrine when it comes to uh, college athletics and football and, and predicting future success, obviously they're not going to think highly uh, of South Carolina. Uh, and look, opinions are mixed on Spencer Rattler. Uh, do I think that everybody needs to get butt hurt because Rattler wasn't in a Heisman draft? No. No. <laughs> uh, do I think that Spencer Rattler was awful last year? No. Uh, do, do Am I going to admit to you right now that as far as uh, out of high school, uh, what did I think about uh, Spencer Rattler? I, I thought that the hype was a little too much, you know, and, and I think that year where he came out, um, you know, Kyler Murray – uh, was lighted up at Oklahoma. This kid was going to Oklahoma. He's got some similar traits. And so it's easy to go, oh, next Kyler Murray. I mean, I had a friend of mine that uh, I swear I, uh, he'd admit to you today probably that, that you know, he was in the business and that looking for the next Colt McCoy cost him some bad quarterback evaluations, you know, and you can get in trouble doing that. I think I think looking for the next Cam Newton – caused us to rank – or no, the next Vince Young. It was before Cam. Uh, and Cam was kind of the next Vince Young, if you think about it. Looking for the next Vince Young caused us to rank Terrell Pryor at Rivals, the number one player in the country. When he wasn't Vince Young. Vince Young had something as a college player within him that, uh, you know, couldn't be taught, coached, whatever. Special player, one of the best – you know, people don't talk about him enough because he, you know, he flamed out in the pros, but Vince Young was unbelievable. Well, that, that, so that happens, people looking for the next guy. And so I think that's what happened with Spencer is that people were like, oh, look, the, the, the game is trending this way towards Kyler Murray. Um, Spencer's obviously taller than Kyler, but there's only one Kyler Murray, right? <laughs> and, and so I'll admit, I want, you know, I, I thought he was an elite quarterback prospect in that class. I would have had him as a five-star. Would have had him in the top ten? Probably not. Just admitting that to you. And it wasn't that it was, you know, his game was flawed or anything like that. I thought going to Oklahoma was very smart, playing in that system. Shoot, who wouldn't want to? But I just wasn't ready to say, okay, this is Kyler Murray. I just wasn't. And I'm sorry. Uh, that was that. So, so back to Bud Elliott, do I think that, you know, Gamecock fans should have lit him up when it came to, you know, him not taking Spencer Rattler in a Heisman draft. No. Uh, and Spencer Rattler, if he has a great year, will get in the Heisman mix. He's already been a candidate. People start talking about him for sure. But, you know, do, do you know, do, do I think that, you know, that was a terrible call by Bud? No. Now, the six wins. They want to look at the roster a little closer. I don't know. You know, maybe you are, maybe people are, and they, they see the schedule. I six to me is low. They won six last year. 
and you've got three, four probably, as long as Vanderbilt doesn't have a resurgent year and upset the Gamecocks in Nashville and snap the streak. There's four. Then you got Missouri, Tennessee at home, you know, and you go to Kentucky, which is usually a close game. The Gamecocks have usually lost, but it's usually close. Uh, Georgia comes to Columbia. A&M comes to Columbia. Mentioned Tennessee and Missouri come to Columbia. That Arkansas game is a bear, second week of the season. But, you know, Arkansas has some transition. I still think they're going to be good. It's going to be tough to go out there and win. That's not a great draw. You'd probably rather have, you know, somebody else. I don't know who in that division. So, you know, when you look at it, and and it's not just Spencer Rattler coming in and, you know, playing with last year's team and how much can he elevate. Uh, It's guys like Juice Wells. I mean, it's guys like Corey Rucker. It's guys like Josh Vanderbeck. It's it's recognizing uh, Jaheim Bell's talent. It's recognizing Austin Stogner coming in and solidifying the tight end position. It's recognizing having seven offensive linemen who can start who are older coming back. It's recognizing Jordan Strong's going to be a star on the defensive line. Uh, it's recognizing Devonnie Reed's a potential and upside of the secondary. Cam Smith, uh, Marcellus Dial. I mean, it, and it's recognizing all of that. Um, and these days, to be honest, and I'm not saying Bud hadn't looked at it. Bud may have looked at it and said, "Well, you know, I don't like it." Well, that's fine. No, sir, didn't like it. That's fine. But you know, these days. We live in this world where we're constantly bombarded with hype, especially when it comes to college football. There's a big focus on brands. I thought college basketball skewed this way for a long time uh, until we kept getting to the tournament and teams kept, you know, unexpectedly getting there. Are these brands that aren't so great like Baylor win national titles and Gonzaga emerges and all that? I mean, you start, you know, it's about more than Kentucky and Kansas and North Carolina do. Um. So that's kind of backed off a little bit, but still, you know, it's haves and have nots and and all that. And I think that the problem with South Carolina after Steve Spurrier left uh, through Muschamp and, you know, now it's changing a bit with Beamer, but you went to this irrelevant kind of stage where, you know, yeah, they're pretty good. You know, Steve Spurrier is not coaching there anymore. So no need to turn anything on. No need to worry about their players. You know, their recruiting ranking getting all that high. So, you know, poop all over them. You know, and so, and I think that's what's happened, you know, to this program. And that that's kind of what happens when, when that happens. And then, you know, you, you get these people that think South Carolina is like the size of Rhode Island, and it's not. There's more, more people in South Carolina than in Alabama, which has no problem with two good programs. And he said, they're going, well, how, how, oh, however, are they to compete? Um, because you got all the recruiting hype at North Carolina, which has produced a solid 500 record so far. Nice trip to the Orange Bowl during a pandemic year. Again, with two backs, they didn't recruit. Uh, you got Georgia, and they rightfully won a national championship, one of the best defenses I've ever seen. Freaks all over the defense. I'm sitting there looking, by the way, at Rattler's uh, recruiting class. Yeah. You start looking at it, and you're like, man, Nakobe Dean was 19th in the country. I don't know who the hell they put him behind, but Brandon Smith from Penn State, I guess, well, that was a mistake. 
Um, you look and you go, wow, here's Travon Walker at 22. Uh, our guys for 24-7 sports actually had him at fifth and rightfully so. George Pickens, 24. I mean, you know, George's class that year, you know, and even without like Tyreek Stevenson who transferred, it was a high four. Uh, Lewis seen their safety, unbelievable. So, you know, looking back on that class, something else. But, um, I mean, you know, so I think that's the problem. And, you know, when you run into things like you're delusional for whatever. And, and you know, like I said, I, uh, do I think it's, it's, it's just a huge slight and, and a clueless opinion to not have Rattler in the Heisman draft? No, I, I, I don't know if I would have with a straight face done the same thing. There's too many unknowns as far as, him making the adjustment. It's a new system. It's the SEC, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, now, I did read, and I, I don't know if this was actually Bud's opinion or not, but I, but if it is, I don't I don't think he's correct on this. It, you know, that, oh, there weren't any good – there weren't any good um, quarterbacks in the Big 12 last year. Well, who cares? <laughs> what does that have to do? I mean, you know, well, Spencer may not have been one of them, and, and I don't think that's the case. I think – this is another example of hyping things that don't matter. I, I, I don't think that Big 12 teams didn't score as much last year because they didn't have great, you know, good quarterbacks. Now, now, was the league as deep as it normally is at QB? No, but you can't do that every year. Um, and I, and a, having watched Oklahoma State play, K-State play, and you know, Oklahoma on defense and Iowa State on defense – uh, everybody but Texas, who's soft as Charmin tissue. Um, the defenses in that league were better last year, you know. Defense came back, folks. I mean, people want to get all you know hyped up about 2020 and you know the massive amount of scoring. I think defense came back. You look at the team that won it all, what they went it with defense, defense, and, and I know because I hear you screaming out there that. You know, because George was a rival. Well, they wouldn't have wanted it. Bama's receivers not gotten hurt. And you probably are right. Probably right. But they did. They did. So that's Bud. And uh, look, man, I, I've known him a long time. I disagree with a lot that he says work-wise. I think he's a good person, though. Um, uh, you know, I, I think he, he probably regrets pissing everybody off in this market. Uh, but it's like I said, somebody was threatening to cancel their membership on the Big Spur because of him. And I was like, look, that, they're separate from us. Uh, I know I used to work there, and I used to have a say in it and all that, and that was great. But I have no say. I don't even know some of the people that work there anymore you know, on the national level that do the recruiting rankings and stuff. I, I have my guys that I know, but that's about it. Uh, and so don't don't cancel on us because of it. I mean, it, it's not – we don't have anything to do with it. You know, I can't call up and, I mean, talk to Bud Elliott's boss and pit, get, gripe about that. I don't even know who his boss is. So, uh, anyway, that's uh, that's the story there, Upstate Gamecock. And, and, you know, I'd cut him some slack. And, you know, it's like I told somebody that was threatening to cancel yesterday. I was like, why would you cancel based on the opinion of someone on Twitter that is totally irrelevant in the South Carolina market? And that's not an insult to Bud or anybody else, but, you know, there's probably two guys in recruiting that are relevant in our market that on the national level. That's Brian Doan and um, Steve Wiltfong because they drop by our board and 
drop scoop Andrew Ivans a little bit, but you know, I, none I don't, I, of these other guys I don't even know, and I'm not so sure where they're looking at half the time, and I don't want to run them down or anything, but um, you know, that's not really relevant to what we got going on with the Big Spur, which is South Carolina focused. Thanks, Upstate Gamecock. Joe Sports Caller rolls in. Position by position, is the 2022 offense better than 2021? I think overall, every position should be better. What's your take, JC? Uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, I think as long as they stay healthy, you could run into a situation, though. Let's let's say, let's say Jalen Nichols gets hurt and Ja'Kai Moore – Dylan Wanham's not back and Ja'Kai Moore isn't quite back and you have to go with Turnantine, you know, you, you start to get in a situation to tackle, but that that's, that's normal. Um, tight end depth on offense scares me. Uh, it scares me first and foremost that, you know, they need to use Jaheim Bell the way they've been talking about using Jaheim Bell. Uh, and so that's, you know, that's a scary thing because sometimes and I don't know this about Marcus Satterfield yet that he's, you know, not a player over system guy, which most great, all great offensive coordinators, no matter how good their system is, they put players in position to make plays and in the right position that, you know, you don't look at him and go, we need to tie it in. So he's out there blocking and, you know, all that. James is a good blocker. Don't get me wrong. You can use him blocking a lot, but that would be a waste. You got to get the ball in his hands along with everybody else. So depth at tight ends concerning. Uh, I think you have to be concerned uh, what happens behind Spencer if he gets hurt. Uh, to me, it'd be unfortunate that Luke Doty had to go in and play through his development because I strongly believe he needs a year to be the backup, getting some games sometime, relax and, and, and develop. So much bad's happened to him. Uh, so strongly believe that. Uh, of course, you just, you know, in my opinion, you go with Joiner. I mean, you guys may be screaming at the mic or the speaker right now, but uh, I, I think Joiner looks more natural at quarterback than any other position. And he does really good things. And, um, you know, maybe he's not a guy that throws a tight spiral all the time. Maybe he has to improvise and scramble, but, you know, the best quarterbacks coach and play caller to ever coach at South Carolina uh, understood that sometimes you got to scramble and make plays, even though it drives you crazy probably as a play caller. Uh, and that's why Savelle Newton played quarterback for Steve Spurrier and Connor Shaw, you know, was a guy kind of like that. Drove him crazy. So, you know, that when you have – let me, let me put it this way. When, when you have Steve Spurrier's track record, you know, you kind of expect, oh, we're going to play the guy that knows the system and system, 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 system. You kind of expect that. But great play callers adapt. Great offensive coaches adapt. And uh, and I quite frankly think Marcus Satterfield nailed it with Joyner playing him at quarterback in the bowl game. And I wouldn't have any problem with him you know, playing to carry on if something happened to Rattler and, and if Doty wasn't quite ready, you know, and I, but I think for the whole room, Rattler's health is important, but you, know, you want to talk about starters too deep, Joe sports caller. Yeah. Uh, I think every position on offense should be better. Hopefully that leads to a more improved offense. All right. Thanks to all your Twitter question, your question and questioners.
Is that it? Questioners. Twitter questioners. Speaking of questions, you can uh, check out Tony Morrell's Burning Questions article. If you're a VIP member on thebigspur.com, you can join today for a buck. It's quite a deal. Then we start to pay full price. You get Paramount Plus streaming uh, in in the package with your um, with your uh, membership to TBS. You, you can go pay full price, join up for a year. Paramount Plus comes with it. Maybe your wife wants to watch a show on there. Maybe she doesn't want you to pay $100 a year for membership to a sports website. But maybe you can split the difference and say, hey, you know, uh, we get Paramount Plus with this. And uh, it's really good. And they're adding new stuff to Paramount Plus every single day. Uh, and you get that with a gigantic uh, pay-in-full membership uh, to thebigspur.com. Or you can just join for a dollar, see how you like it. Then when it renews at full price, you can uh, you can go from there. So, you know, that's the deal there. That's the deal there. All right. The other way to get in to the mailbag, the iHealth Consulting mailbag, is lost track there. Um, I thought Tizzy on Twitter was asking me a question for the uh, for the mailbag here. I guess not. So, I don't know. Sorry, Tizzy. I thought you were listening. Uh, I guess he wants me to answer it on Twitter. I don't answer things on Twitter. Uh, unless I absolutely need to set the record straight on something. I mean, you know, uh, you know, the podcast is free. The website is not, you know, I Twitter to me, you just kind of get into things and, you know, you answer something and people are start asking you a bunch of stuff. And then all of a sudden, you know, if they don't understand nuance, which a lot of people don't on Twitter, then then you're dead to write. So I stay off Twitter, answer questions. I'll probably answer this guys though, because it's, it seems like a legit question with one word answer. All right, Sean says, just saw that offensive tackle Josiah Thompson got ranked inside the top 100 by 24-7 for 2024 and got me thinking about lineman recruiting. Uh, and I'll stop right there and say, uh, you know, I, I don't really understand who's watching these guys. I mean, all I know is, you know, Clemson's Colin Sadler, who I guess – uh, went with them last year. Every piece of feedback I got on him, including people close to Clemson, Greenville, wherever, said, drop him. Uh, and uh, the guy that's supposed to do the rankings uh, for South Carolina was going to drop him. And then all of a sudden got overruled by somebody in Texas who's never even seen the kid. Um, and you want to call that a complaint about the process of the rankings with kids from South Carolina? There you go. And I wasn't dropped. I, I didn't recommend to drop Sadler because he's a Clemson guy. I don't care. Uh, good is good. They recruit really well, but I was surprised by that. So I guess I shouldn't be surprised by the cluster. That's the 2024 rankings in state where you have, you know, guys not even not even been offered by either in-state school right now up there. But Cam Pringle to me was extremely low uh, because Thompson and Pringle both are elite guys. Pringle's probably a notch. Like I said about offensive linemen earlier, it's developmental, so you never know. But you know, both these guys should have been higher, in my opinion. I don't think there's been two tackles like that come out of our state in a long time. 
And so Sean goes on, do you think Carolina could win a national championship only recruiting North and South Carolina on the lines of scrimmage? Plus, if you could only have two states to recruit offenses and defensive linemen out of, which state would those be? Well, it depends on if it's offensive or defensive. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll do, you know, two states for defense. I'll take my chances with both Carolinas tomorrow. And that's not to say that you don't get great ones out of Georgia and Florida and Virginia and, and places like that. You do for sure. Alabama, but uh, I take my chances with North and South Carolina on offense, uh, Pennsylvania and Ohio. Uh, let me back up Ohio and Illinois. How about that? Ohio and Illinois uh, and not necessarily Chicago because in Illinois, you look back through the track record and you can get tight ends out of Illinois too. Look at Iowa's offensive line sometimes and where they get all those tight end recruits and all. They're all from Illinois and they're all from rural Illinois. I mean, there's an abnormal amount of very good offensive linemen in Illinois. And then Ohio is kind of the recruiting breadbasket, if you will, of the Big Ten. The Big Ten has a lot of good football programs. They put a lot of good linemen uh, in the NFL. So that that's my deal there. Um, so, yeah. Thanks, Sean, for that question. Inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. Again, keep those questions running in. Will says, these questions might make me seem like anti-Montario Hardesty, and I'm not. I'm just very indifferent. Point blank, how do you feel about him as a coach? Uh, you know, didn't have his best year last year with his group. Uh, a lot was on the offensive line, but I don't think they missed him in the bowl game when Pat DeMarco took over as the running backs coach. You know, did you think the running backs missed him in the bowl? I didn't. I, you know, Kevin Harris had a really good game. Juju McDowell had a really good game. Uh, and that's not that Hardesty's been holding them down. I mean, he's a knowledgeable guy, and obviously uh, his track record as a player speaks for itself. Um, you know, so I, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm indifferent. I, you know, what I'd like to see – I want to see how the backs do this year. I want to see how the new backs take to his coaching, particularly Lavoisier Carroll, who's got to make a transition. So that's going to require more, you know, kind of like what Des Kitchings did, uh, developing guys. I mean, Des did a great job with Kevin Harris and a great job with Deshaun Fenwick. Um, and then, you know, Zaquandre White got better under Hardesty than he was uh, with Des. But, you know, that was one year and, all that but uh you know i want to see how those players work and and develop and how good they are and then i want to see how he recruits uh and i will clarify something uh i'll say this you know it used to be you'd hire a running backs coach and he'd go out and sign five to seven guys a year different positions from from his territory or whatever south Carolina's not really doing that anymore they're doing a lot more and really this started during the Muschamp era. You, you had Bobby Bentley who was running backs coach who would go out and sign guys from other spots. Uh, BMAC did that a little bit. But Mays, basically it was the, you know, the coach of the position that went out and got it and then Muschamp himself. Same thing's had South Carolina. You, you, you have guys in the building like Taylor Edwards uh, that are kind of guiding the ship and that are really your guys that are getting it done. And then everybody recruits their position. Uh, and then Shane Beamer and the coordinators, they're obviously all involved. Um, so I don't, I wouldn't judge him like you would have judged Trooper Taylor back in the day or, uh, you know, Robert Gillespie when he was at Carolina and got a bunch of guys not running backs necessarily. Um, 
you know, I, Jay Graham got a lot of good players, you know, Bobby Bentley, who I mentioned, Des Kitchings, obviously, uh, really, really is an outstanding recruiter. And you look at what he did at NC State, like head offensive coordinator at Virginia now. Um, but all those folks, you know, I, you know, I, I don't think Hardesty, anybody's comparing him to them. Thomas Brown, you know, rising star in coaching. Uh, but he's young and uh, let's see what, what, what he does again, though, I will, I will caution you, you know, if he comes out of this recruiting cycle and he signed two running backs, he likes um, then, you know, and the running backs play well this year, then, then, you know, I wouldn't hate on him because, you know, he, he's a, a guy that uh, is just starting out and, and it's just not like it used to be. Uh, you got a lot of team recruiting, recruiting by position, that kind of thing. The the area recruiter basically goes out and finds, you know, goes to school, picks up tape, drops off brochures, meets with coaches, that kind of thing. And then they, as soon as they offer, uh, and they keep a smaller board than maybe you used to, so that's probably why they do it too, uh, you know, the position coach gets involved heavily. So that's the thing. He says, also, do you see a situation many years from now where Mike Davis, the Falcons' Mike Davis, is our running backs coach? He seems to be very personable, a great teammate, obviously successful at the highest level. I think if Mike Davis wanted to do that, he'd probably be pretty good. Like you said, great personality. Um, I could see him. I could see him really doing well in relating to young people. Um, just don't know. You know, a lot of times guys play in the NFL, they don't want any part of coaching. They don't want to put in the hours they – put in their hours playing, they're tired, they want to go to the beach, chill out, maybe run a camp or two for some extra dough, uh, that kind of thing. So you, you really – it would probably just depend on, you know, his passion to stay involved in the game at that level. But he's certainly intelligent enough, good enough, uh, popular enough, funny enough. I think he's real funny um, to, to come back and do that. All right. That's a wrap, folks. All the time we have for today on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast, I'm J.C. Sherbert. Thank you for listening. Thanks to Heritage Digital. Thanks to Cindy Searfoss Realtor. And thank you, as always, to IL Consulting for the IL Consulting mailbag. Don't forget, uh, get your credit cards ready or, or, or whatever. You know, got a P.O. Box address coming to you. You can mail a check to if you'd like. Uh, Carolina Rise, uh, the new NIL collective that I'm starting uh, to get money in the hands uh, of South Carolina student athletes uh, for promotional services and things of that nature. Uh, can't wait to get involved in that world. Very excited uh, about that. You guys know me, you trust me, you like me. So uh, I'm looking forward to working with you uh, to seeing how we can all improve uh, the student athlete experience in South Carolina overall with NIL. All right, more later. J.C. Sherbert signing off inside the Gamecocks podcast.